0: Welcome to Story & Horse, a podcast where we hear stories from creative lives. Meet new people, hear about their challenges and triumphs, and get inspired to move forward with your creativity.
1: Now, here's your host, Hilary Adams. Hello, thanks for joining us on the Story & Horse podcast. I'm Hilary Adams, creative coach and founder of Story & Horse. We are for personalized coaching for creative people and here on the podcast we share stories from creative lives today we are joined by andy wagner andy is a producer and production manager and somebody i have known for quite a long time now and have worked together welcome andy thanks for joining me hey
0: hillary how are you doing
1: I am doing well. Let's begin with a little bit about who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to.
0: So so we'll do the quick resume version, which is I have an undergraduate degree in finance. I have a master's in arts administration. I spent about 10 years working in not-for-profit arts, transitioned for a while into reality TV, and for the last, I don't know, what is it now, 12, 14 years, I've had my own company. We produce, production manage, events, live stream, live television, uh, mostly focused on some aspect of live to it, although we've done a little of everything, and that's me. Currently, I'm doing a lot of virtual production and a lot of live streaming and that kind of stuff.
1: What's the name of your company?
0: Oh, uh, wide-angle productions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wide-angle production. So, uh, give me an idea of an example of something that you're working on right now in the virtual production world.
0: So, virtual, which has been going on for really a long time, and I've been working in it for a while, sort of on on a professional level. A lot of what I do is I do it's like for people, People Magazine. I do red carpets for them. Managing all the backend technology and budgets and production management, and not so much the creative because I don't know who any of those people are uh, on the carpet. And but it's it's really making sure we can push all of that out digitally, and we do that in a virtual production way. Um, I mean, we have live production at the carpet, and then we do virtual. Although during the pandemic, we did a lot of that. We did virtual virtually, right? We did, you know, actors appeared virtually. I mean, everybody watched those events with varying levels of scorn or amazement that they happened at all. It was it was a marrying of sort of all the new virtual technologies and traditional technologies for pushing out digital content. That's, let's call that my day job generally. Um, I also do a lot of work with Essence Fest on their digital and live stream offerings.
1: So for people who are listening who kind of, we we all know what virtual is. We've been on it uh, in various degrees, especially for the past two years. But when we're talking about virtual production, can you tell us a little more about what what that is?
0: Virtual production is becoming this catch-all phrase for all kinds of things. Virtual production is, is essentially producing content in some semblance of remote, whether that's the participants are remote, there's hybrids where we have live event being pushed remotely. We have hybrid events with remote guests, with live studio guests. But at the end of the day, it's it's becoming sort of what used to be called digital. To some extent, it's it's about what's getting pushed to the web. It's about where the viewer is seeing it. It's about how the viewer is seeing it. And virtual production now encompasses all kinds of really interesting things that are going on, right? You've got tech people solving just the weirdest things you've seen. They're using you know, they're using gaming engines like Unreal Engine and combining that with live actors to create, you know, everything's happening in real time. Like like, like you're walking through your own video game, except you're on a green screen and they're making it all magically technical. And you've got things as simple as, you know, we do a red carpet and, you know, that's going to Facebook and people can be commenting and people can be weighing in and, Social media managers are responding to people's comments. And so there's this whole audience engagement piece happening to that. It's virtual theater from virtual readings, which is sort of where I think a lot of people started the pandemic is a lot of theater companies started like, Oh, we'll do a virtual reading. And it's like, it sort of works in zoom. Um, It can work better. It's, and the virtual world is beginning to solve in fits and starts. A lot of the challenges around working with people who are, need to be socially distanced need to be physically distanced are working from different places and the technology has in the last 10 or 15 years really accelerated to allow that to happen what hasn't happened and this is this is sort of one of my causes these days is what hasn't happened is the creative hasn't matched itself to the realities of that technology a lot of the creative is still trying to recreate what was as opposed to exploring what could be.
1: When you think about what could be, what's one of your uh, envisionings of that? So
0: so first of all, I think there are a bunch of people doing really interesting experimental stuff in this. And sort of for me, as as virtual takes off, and 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 to be clear, I, I think that virtual production is a new branch of the creative tree. Mm-hmm. I think we are at a new place. I think I think virtual production is, you know, comparing it to recorded music, we're at the wax cylinder stage, but it's gonna move way faster than that. Uh, you know, we're gonna multi-track recording fast. Um, <laughs> it's a new experience for the audience. And I think that where virtual production will ultimately go and, you know, Lord knows I could be completely wrong because predictions are bad. But where I think virtual production is gonna go is a new form of audience engagement and the number of ways an audience can engage with content in real time or real ish time is really exciting. I mean, you know, on some levels entertainment and production to this point have been very top down. I put it on screen. You watch it. Mm -hmm. You tell me what you thought. You send me a letter. You, (laughs) or you, it's a passive experience for the audience. They take it in. And even, even in a live theater context, we've built, You know, a proscenium, not all theater, but we've built a proscenium and the audience sits in the dark and the actors are in the light and we get energy from the audience and we can feel the audience, but the audience is not expected to do a lot of, you know, unless you're doing a farce, they're not really expected to be cheering. And in virtual production, we're getting to the point where the audience expects to participate, whether they're in a chat room, whether they are live on screen with you, whether they, can interrupt the production. Like the audience is is there, and and how we engage them, and the other challenge is how do we keep them? Because the reality is, if I'm listening to your podcast or I am watching a video on my computer, there are seven million other things are one click away. So it's how do we keep people engaged, and how do we keep that community building, and how do we make people want to be part of the content, and that's. It's, exciting. it's, it's challenging and, you know, and it's cool. Um, and some people are doing it really well and some people are not, and that's okay. You know, I've seen any number of things and I, and I won't roll anybody on the bus for things I didn't like, but I've seen any number of things across the pandemic where I was like, that's really interesting. I wish it was better. <laughs> I love what they're doing with the technology. Oh God, I hate it. <laughs> hate the art, but I love what they're doing. And I've worked with a bunch of artists trying to create different things and and engage in, in that way. And some of it's out of desperation and some of it's out of, Oh, you know, I, you know, I have a, I have a friend who's, he's an opera composer and he needed to do a, like a sizzle, like a presentation. And he wanted, you know, to interview the artists, but the artists are scattered all over the globe. You know what? Not a problem like that we can do. Like this, the idea that we needed to get them to a place to talk to them, that went away. And we now have audiences that accept that. Mm -hmm. We have audiences that are like, oh yeah, okay. It's totally cool that he's in Germany and she's in Brazil and he's over, like totally fine. Nobody has a problem with that. Um, And the pandemic has built an audience for that and built an audience understanding for that, which is super exciting.
1: And when we talk about creativity, I know you have so many stories that that you could be sharing. Is there a story that... Has come to mind to share today? So there are a
0: lot of ways to go with this. And you, you and I have been in the trenches on a few. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's, for me, one of the things about creativity is a lot of creativity isn't this, and, and the practitioners I like the best of the ones who don't view it as magic, right? It's like, like so many people, and especially when I was younger, you know, it's like, oh, he's a creative. Like, like that was like, <laughs> like that was some like wizard or mystic or something right a creative and you know what i've learned over time is that creativity is is creativity comes from a lot of different comes from a lot of different elements and and my role in a lot of projects has been to to help foster and make sure that that creative makes it in front of people and in, in, a, in a comprehensive way. And, and so the story I want to tell, which has nothing to do with any of this, but I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> so many years ago, I did a show. At, I did a show for Wisconsin's Vietnam veterans at Lambeau Field. We did a USO style show. We were welcoming back Wisconsin's Vietnam veterans after 30 years, because we rushed right into that one. And the the project... the Building the creative for that project, which I did, was super challenging because the audience—veterans don't like celebrities, they don't like politicians. They, there's literally nothing they like. They, 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 they have a. Especially those Vietnam era veterans have a huge distrust of government and anything that smacks of pop culture. And one of the suggestions was to use this Native American poet who I'd never heard of, a guy named Jim Northrup. And I remember having my first conversation with him about what he wanted to do. And he's got these three poems and he wants to introduce himself in Ojibwa. And he's going to do spoken word at this stadium event. You know, I've got Benny King. I've got, you know, <laughs> we've got, you know, music. We've got major speakers. And he wants to do these three poems. And they're all about the Vietnamese. They're all about the experience. He does this. And and they're angry. They're angry poems. They are, they are, they're, this is, you know this is why isn't there a memorial for the people who died after the war we built this into the show and we built this in a way that allowed him to really engage with the thousands and thousands of people in the stands and what he came away with was a standing ovation and then after the show throngs of people coming up backstage to talk to him this is a guy who plays libraries <laughs> <laughs> and we've just turned him into a celebrity for some period of time and I mean, there was a line of 200 people who wanted to shake his hand and talk to him right. after the show. And I mean, I remember turning to one of our production assistants and I'm like, he's celebrity talent and doesn't know it. You need to manage him. <laughs> like, he can't just walk out. Like, if he walks into that crowd, he's not going to understand what it feels like to have 300 people surrounding you trying to talk to you. And it was sort of this sort of magical moment of being able to take somebody else's words and put them into a context and put them into the nature of the show that allowed this moment to happen. When I saw Amanda Gorman at the Biden inaugural and everybody's like, oh my God, spoken word. I'm like, yeah, spoken word works. When you put it in context and you get it right, You it, it, it can have an impact that you don't get from from other things. that That, that just, it's, it's unexpected. It can be powerful. If the words are right, if the speaker is right, it all comes together. Okay. and and for me, that was from a creative standpoint, it was one of those moments where I was like, it felt really risky mm-hmm. doing spoken word. I was going to do Native American poetry to a group of Vietnam veterans. It felt like a huge risk. <laughs> but from a creative standpoint, it's it's those kinds of risks that I like. It is, yeah it is where you're providing people the unexpected in a way that they can embrace it and in a way that it changes the dialogue and that's been i guess in terms of a story it's one of those things that for me has been sort of a powerful sort of motivator to keep pushing to help other people get their voices out pushing to get to get ideas into the marketplace and you doing that in creative ways none of those none of those midwestern vietnam veterans were going to a poetry slam in madison wisconsin but put in context, poetry mattered to them. Mm. And that was, that. that's cool. I, that, that was very cool for me. That was sort of one of those moments in my, you know, and then he sent me the nicest letter. He, he sent me this letter. He, he got recognized at a gas station the next day. And he's driving home. He's still in his gas tank and, you know, random stranger. <laughs>
1: that's what celebrity feels like. <laughs> That's amazing. And that goes back to the virtual world in terms of um, wanting to support you, wanting to support people's voices being heard.
0: Yeah, I mean, the virtual. So virtual has been happening for a long time. and, and, And like there's there's this, you know, I mean, we all owe a debt to the gaming community because God love them. They wanted to figure out how to put their games online and they did it through Twitch, which was never developed to do that, but turned into that. And they solved a ton of the software and hardware problems. And, and for anybody who doesn't know how much gaming is worth in this country, <laughs> it, is, it is an off the charts. It is wealthier than you can imagine. And, and it is those gamers who are building communities and building followings who really did a lot to develop sort of that underlying technology. And they've been doing it for decades. And that technology now is getting embraced by the larger public. I mean, the pandemic forced it more than anything else. And that infrastructure, and, and they spent a lot of time learning those lessons. And we can, we in, the, in a larger creative community or in a theatrical community or in a not-for-profit arts community or whatever you want to call it, have the ability to sort of pick up what they were doing and push it in new directions and push it in into bring different voices into the, into the marketplace And you said this, and and it reminds me that, you know, one of the things that I've been aware of in the last few years is the thing that I have found myself most passionate about is helping other people's voices get heard. And some of that's political, and some of that's production, and some of that's artistic, and some of that's writing. But that where I can take my skills... My background, my you know ability to help people understand process and get those voices into the world. I'm I enjoy doing that. I just it's it's I enjoy doing that. It's 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 fun and it it it's satisfying to to sort of see how people respond to a voice that they haven't heard. And if you can put it into the right context, and if you can get those those messages out and You know, it empowers me to do a lot of work with people, you know, you know, just like, okay, let's let's find a way to do what you do and let's figure out how to make the technology engage the technology in what you're doing and and all of that. And you know, the technology, especially around virtual production and the ability to get those messages out. Yeah, I mean, you know, people say, you know, what is, you know, what what do I need to live stream? I'm like, you need a phone. Like. (laughs) Like, like you can hold up your phone and you can live stream to Facebook right now, <laughs> um, for no money. Well, whatever it costs you to buy your phone, and and your probably ridiculously expensive service plan, and there's a digital divide on that as well. But you, you know, you know, what does it cost to live stream? It can cost as little as zero, and it can cost as much as hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> um, and I've and I've worked at both ends of this, and and I work at both ends all the time, and even bringing you know zero dollar solutions into. $100,000 projects because that's what works. That's the right tool for the job. You know, this is this is the thing I'm exploring and these are the conversations I'm having and these are the projects I'm looking for. Early in the pandemic, everybody I talked to was like, yeah, I want to be involved in this. And then like 10 seconds into it, they were like, this sucks. <laughs> because it involves new, I mean, it's a, it, it's a scary environment for artists to engage in. It's new technology. It's new workflows. It's new experiences, new risks for creating work. Um, you know, the number of artists I've spoken to are like, yeah, but if I stream it, can't anybody watch it? Like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, how do I monetize that? How do I, like, all of those questions become if this person has to buy a ticket and sit in a theater, you know where the money's coming from. If they're just online, Can they share the link? What if somebody shares the link? On some levels, you should be so lucky. Um, (laughs) On the other hand, yeah, it's a legitimate concern. And and this is, you know, this is the thing that I'm really enjoying digging into and playing with and talking to people who are doing really wacky and crazy things.
1: So if people want to talk to you about uh, their wacky and crazy ideas about their virtual production ideas, how do they reach you?
0: So email is always good. Uh, It's Andy at wideangleprod.com, which is on my website, which is wideangleprod.com as in wide angle productions, but shorter because it is. Uh, (laughs) The reality is when I have time, I'm always looking for those conversations. And when I don't have time, I generally say, I don't have time. That's how you reach me.
1: Great. Then those links will be in the show notes. So people will be able to find you there. As we wrap up here, if you were going to offer a inspirational idea or a takeaway for people about creativity for the listeners? I
0: think I would tell people not to see, this is going to sound wrong, so but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I think I would tell people not to see creativity as special. And by special, I mean elite mm. or magic. I think I would tell people that creativity is about doing the this, this sort of sense that you need to be a creative which i think i spent way too much of my life believing is not true that that creativity is part of a process and it's it's part of everything and once you realize that you can just do and not be hung up on you know is it creative in air quotes, you know, you know, and that, and that, and that's cool. And that, that's great. And that, that's my take, that, that's my takeaway is that it's, it's, that uh. it, it's both special and not, it, it's special, but not special. Yeah. Did, did, that work audio wise? I hope. Um.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um. We, 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 we can hear the gesture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so if you're listening to this and you want to reach Andy again, his email will be in the show notes and it's wide P R O D for production.com. So that's his website and you can go on there and learn more about Andy and about um, what he and his production company have been up to. Um, Andy, anything else you'd like to share?
0: Before no, no, no. People are free to cyber stalk me on LinkedIn and Facebook and MDP. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll put be disappointed in there but they're for you to cyberstock me in all those places
1: <laughs> so you can also cyberstock andy and i'll put those links in the show notes and if you'd like to uh cyberstock story and horse you can find us at instagram and facebook at story and horse and on our website storyandhorse.com. andy thank you so much for joining me here today it's great to talk with you
0: always good to talk to you and you know we'll do another podcast on horrible production stories that we've lived through <laughs>
1: it'll be, that'll be a fun one. We've, we've certainly been through some things. So, (laughs) and listeners, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the story horse podcast. And I look forward to you joining us for the next one. Thanks, Andy. Bye.
0: Bye. Thanks for being with us today. Please help us spread the word by subscribing and sharing this podcast with friends. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode.